Hello, and welcome to my podcast. I am Jay Sibylla Smith. I host unscripted conversations with contemporary photographers, curators, and critics to discuss concept development and the photo bookmaking process. I utilize my trademarked framework, Concept Aware, to investigate how each artist sees and how their creative practice is layered. By identifying these layers, we learn the choices and decisions that move the artist's abstract idea into a tangible object. Thank you for joining our exploration. You can find an archive of over 70 episodes on my website, jsibillasmith.com. There you will also find specifics on how we can work together and examples of my experiences as an independent curator, educator, and consultant. Please connect on the other social media platforms where you will find me under J. Sibylla. I use all these methods to engage in a global visual culture conversation. Today, I am so excited to invite you to my conversation with writer-curator Susan Bright and professor-photographer Tony Wilkinson. We address the potent ingredients of appetites, consumption, and desire as it relates to women, food, and photography. It's a lot of fun. It's really informative, and it's somewhat infuriating. So glad you're here. Let's get started. This is My Kind of Gathering, a sisterhood of the digital age, allowing us to speak together from three countries within a work day, spanning our 14-hour differences. Welcome, Susan. Hello. (laughs) From London, England, and Tony in Perth, Australia. Hello. It is my distinct pleasure to host two artists working in different yet related mediums, two forms of communication, Susan Bright's language being text and Tony Wilkinson's The Portrait. Each of you bring a deep knowledge informed by studies in art history, literature, and philosophy. By each of you working your craft around an idea, a concept, in this case, two, women, and food, you have created a matrix, a cornucopia of ways of seeing. Tony's monograph, Tough Pleasures, is a work of illumination via imagination in the universal language of metaphor. The choreographer Twyla Tharp, in her book, The Creative Habit, calls metaphor, quote, the lifeblood of art if it is not art itself. Metaphor is our vocabulary for connecting what we are experiencing now with what we have experienced before. It's not only how we express what we remember, it's how we interpret it for ourselves and others, end quote. Together, Susan and Tony, you present a complex picture of women. It is a contemporary version of sense and sensibility. As stated in the book, it is a moving feast of womanhood. It is my delight to engage on a semiotic mission with you. 
femininity, food, and photography offer a potent mix, a recipe loaded with cultural and societal meaning. And these span subjects, as outlined by Susan, quote, subjects of identity, control, nurture, nature, desire, and denial, end quote. If I were to list the ingredients I taste from your potent recipe, they would include ambiguity and ambivalence, magnificence and splendor, desire and seduction, irony and absurdity, poignancy and power. Tough pleasures lands in my metaphoric mouth like a hit of wasabi, opening passages I didn't know I had with a kind of hot and icy zing. Susan, your essay is titled, quote, We Are All Exiles Living Within the Frame of Some Strange Painting, end quote. This book is a riotous romp breaking through the fourth wall and breaking out of the frames that bind, and it is transpiring, making known what is apparent, our luscious ferocity. So with gratitude, I relish what you have collaboratively achieved by embracing and subverting the frames to make known your ways of seeing, you have performed a transgressive act and consequently a political one. And you left us with a smile and a hunger for more. So welcome, Susan. Welcome, Tony. I'm very pleased to be sitting here with you. Oh, thank you. That was, that was sensational. That yeah, was amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. I almost stopped to say that I, I was, I was when I said that I, with gratitude, I relish. I was going to go. Okay, another pun. But anyway, I didn't stop. No, but puns I, are good. <laughs> yeah, puns are fun. And you guys, this was so much fun. I, I actually, I marvel at the serendipitousness that you were able to capture Tony and. I have no idea how. Um, the clothing, the food, the settings, the painting, the lady of Shalot, uh, the objects of the, gale, the male gaze, uh, all the myth and messaging. So help us understand how you started or how it unfolded. I know 2003 seems to be when it began. Yeah, it, I was an undergraduate doing um, a photography degree and it was a project I'd started just after I'd given birth to my son. So um, I was going, I had a project to do for uni and I was at the supermarket with him shopping and, you know, I was looking at the food, I was cooking it for my family, I was breastfeeding him at the time, trying to feed myself, not really that happened to my body at that particular moment. Um, and I'd be standing at the checkout and there would just be magazines everywhere, um, you know, with women on the covers and I was just in a state of, you know, which I think a lot of women experience, you know, looking at these women, comparing myself, and then I just got really pissed off and I thought, I, you know, it's a, I can use this, I can do something with this. So I went and immediately just thought I'm just going to turn up to women's houses and um, go to the fridge, often go to the fridge, sometimes take something with me. And I'd walk in and 
I didn't ask people what to wear and they would be dressed however they thought. And, for instance, Mary in Red Onion, um, she had purple in her hair, she had a purple jumper on, there was a purple curtain behind her. So people were sort of staging their own lives, you know, especially when someone's coming to photograph. So I just sort of walked around the house and went, perfect, that will do, let's put you here. And uh, it looked. You know, they, I was surprised myself. You know, I was getting blown away often. Got, when I was taking them, I don't, I, I shoot intuitively. So there was no plan. It was just turn up, um, look around, trust my feelings. I shot them all the same way, you know, two lights, two just flash, poof, um, stand there, look at me, uh, same lens, same camera, mm. and just unfolded that way. It was, it was, yeah, it was amazing, actually. It was great. I was, it was funny, uh, you know. I, I think my daughter said when she she spoke at my exhibition opening that it was because uh, sometimes I'd take her with me, and she said it was like uh, the scene from a John Waters film or an episode of Absolutely Fabulous, which was really nice to hear that because it, it was like that. Yes, yes, it is so. Um, there's a. a a style and Susan, you note it. And I, I mean, bouncing between the two of you who are so amazing at what you do was just, it really, really was a pleasure. But Susan, you call Tony's, uh, one part of her style, a forensic photographic eye. Yeah, because I, she would send me the pictures and I would look at them and not notice what Tony had noticed. So I would go, oh, I love this about it. And she would go, yeah, but look at that. And I would like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even notice. It's this ability to kind of look at a scene and like tick things off really fast. I can imagine when she's photographing, I've not seen her photograph like this. So I can't imagine how she gets all that information into her head and able to picture it because it took, it takes, I'm, I'm a slow looker anyway, but it sort of takes me a long time to kind of um, find all the references in the picture. I'm thinking of Kay, um, where she kind of looks like a penis. <laughs> and, and then I said, oh, look, she looks like a penis, thinking I was terribly clever that I had spotted that. And Tony was like, yeah, but look at look at the, the strings on her um Sweatpants, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they're exactly where a penis would be, and I had, just hadn't noticed, you know. Um, so Tony's able to do that within, I, I imagine, kind of seconds of walking into a room, which is and, uh, But you also helped us out with your layer of seeing, because isn't that when you saw the penis bottle opener on the shelf? Is that the same shot? Yeah, I spotted that. But Tony spotted that. You know, that's one of the reasons you put it there, you know. Um, I'm kind of running behind the train, you know. (laughs) Well, and I'm running behind both of you laughing my butt off, basically, because it was so funny. I really enjoyed that. I was like, okay, wait, where is she? And then when I found it, all those references. I mean, it's just wonderful and how you weave it in. You talk to Tony, um, Susan, about Tony's use of color. Uh, what about yeah, that? Yeah, there's a couple of um, devices going on. I mean, again, I don't know if Tony's even aware of this when uh, photographers often 
aren't when they yeah. shoot. And as she said, she works really intuitively. So there's ones where the 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 woman is set behind a background like this, um, mm-hmm. and others where she's against uh, uh, one color, like a color block, uh, mm-hmm. a curtain, or something like that. And um, and I guess that Tony must just be once you're in there figuring out what works yeah. best. Um, but the back, the solid backdrops, I I think are more kind of akin to painting, and they're like about palette and color rather than light uh, and detail, which the other ones are. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyway. Well, and what about that, Tony? Because you do weave some of those backgrounds with really busier or or full of symbolism backgrounds. How do you? Yeah. You you knock well, on some I, amazing doors. <laughs> I mean, these are yeah. amazing finds. Well, a lot of them were people that lived in my neighbourhood, actually. So I was I had a my my young my baby son, but a daughter at primary school. So I would ask women who I were I was seeing every day at, in the school grounds, and and friends and but you know I didn't yeah the chaos was kind of. I, lo- I kind of like the chaos. That's mm. what makes them look a bit um, weird, you know, and unusual. But it was just, um, yeah, the metaphor. Like I would, I would walk in and I'd look around the house and I would, for instance, with Kay, I could have shot her. She's got a big house. I could have shot her anywhere. But as soon as I saw the bar and, you know, like the penis bottle opener and the card with Father's Day on it, there's so many details in that, that shelving mm. with the bar. And, and a fully stocked bar that had unopened bottles from, like, a port from 1983. So, and that told me something about her too because my bar would never be that full because, you know, I would not leave a bottle there unopened for that long. So, um, no, it was, yeah, it, it was like that. And the colour, and the coloured ones were maybe when I couldn't or, or when the, the children were younger, I guess, a couple of them, or when... Yeah, where I thought I actually wanted them to look quite poppy. And the initial series I shot on transparency film, very saturated mm-hmm. uh, colour transparency because I wanted them to be, um, you know, sensational or fabulous or just, um, yeah, too much. Mm-hmm. I, want, I didn't want them to look really natural. And so that's why I didn't use natural light. Or I didn't want them to be romantic. Mm-hmm. And just and when I shot, when I first showed those pictures, it was funny. I, a lot of the women hadn't seen them, and I, I got an exhibition from that work. It, and um, a lot of a women's husbands were go, coming in and going, "Oh, I thought they were going to be sensual yeah. women," of, you know. So they had this yeah. idea of what they thought they were going to be like, and I, I was running a hundred percent counter to that, you know. Ah, that's so good, and also. Um the gaze, the gazes and the attitudes and the expressions are priceless. Absolutely <laughs> priceless. Well, I think they got it. The women got it because, you know, they were living the same life that I was living in some ways with that we, you know, when we've got children and we've got to cook food and then clean up after it. And it's like this deadpan, you know, well, I, I can't disdain sometimes yes 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 the situation that we find ourselves in doing that 
and then you know and I was trying to have a laugh Mm -hmm. I was trying to spin that around so I could turn it like this negative impulse into a positive outcome if you like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep and actually I appreciate the wide range of ages so really that entire that that spectrum of womanhood yes well our relationship with food starts very early doesn't it you know for many of us um whether we get it from our family members or from the television or from friends or whatever we become very conscious of you know i think susan spoke really beautifully about it mm-hmm. desire and denial you know mm-hmm. and how we kind of and it was all of that was in my head anyway so it was just and yeah the young the small girls and i was when i was taking the the little girls I was projecting, you know, I was going back to my own childhood and then thinking about, and my daughter's in a couple of, she was the first picture I took at six and the last one I took uh, on her birthday. And so I think as mothers of daughters, we've always got that kind of, I wouldn't say worry, we all worry about our kids, but this understanding of, of perhaps what lies ahead of them and food is a big one for women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I noticed that it was bookended by um, Georgia and that started with this idea of, I mean, it's a absolutely stunning first image and, and yet it's such a jumping off point to all these other types of images. I love the sequencing that, that absolutely like amazed me and, and well, we'll get back to that. I do so many things that you brought up. I want to circle back to, um, and and Susan, you were so eloquent, um, and just pulled these pieces out. And you too used humor and turning things on their ear and telling it like it is, and um, tongue in cheek uh, if it needed to be. But that. That was a feast in and of itself. It's kind of, it's incredible. I'm going to read a passage because when we talk about, well, I'll ask you to talk about this, but the title of your essay, um, speaking about exiling, uh, reflecting on the fact that this this span of womanhood from girlhood through motherhood or maybe never motherhood to an older woman and this relationship with food. And you were talking about um, that collective image is, has got certain weight, yet each person with these two spots on them and in the flash is in this exile. And I think the way you wove that is amazing. And I'm going to ask you to speak about it, but here's the bouncing off point. When you, I, I kept finding that I wanted to either call or make other people, whether it's like my husband or other women in my life, listen to passages because these are subjects that we talk about all the time, but the way that you nailed it, it's like, wow. Okay. So the part that I am pulling out, Susan, is when you said, and this is a quote, women so often put the needs of others in front of their own, especially in the domestic sphere. It is something women are expected to do, an action that is exacerbated with motherhood and often centered on food. I I think it's important to, to say that I wrote this just after the pandemic as well, mm-hmm. where that was dialed up again. 
because it was I get up, I think about food, I um, make food, cook food, eat food, put food away, and then you're on to the next because there wasn't much else going on. You were on to the next meal. So I think that fed into all this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just, you know, for a period of your life, especially as a mother, it is all about food and it's just so boring. And I love to cook and I love food, but it's just like, it's just a slog. It's just oh. boring and a slog. Oh. Totally. Yeah. What I appreciated about Tony's work is that 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 was there. It was implicit, but it wasn't the main kind of story. It was the backdrop. And actually, it just it just sort of made it sort of brought it to the forefront, but made light of it as well. So I just really I just really enjoyed that. I mean, Tony and I, we share very common values and uh, interests. So it was a very, so when she asked me to do this, it was a very easy, it was an easy one. You know, they're not always so easy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I kind of get Tony and I knew what she was saying. I love the work, you know. So it was, and it was, uh, you know, coincided with a lot of my interests as well. So it was a perfect, for me, it was a perfect match, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A pairing. Um, I'll share with you one of my finer mothering moments. Um, When my son moved out as an adult and would come back, he would still walk in our house and say, what's for dinner? And I literally at one point said, I actually answered that and um, basically fulfilled about two decades and change. So like, it's on you. Like, I'm not thinking about it anymore. It's so, and I love to cook and I love to eat, but yes, the slog of it is, is kind of amazing. I love how you also both are talking about these foregrounds and backgrounds and how you are moving our, 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 our coded messages in and out and upside down and, and in focus and out of focus. I, I think that is Incredible. Um, the one thing I also wanted to underscore that you've already brought out, Tony, and and you speak of it eloquently, <laughs> Susan, when you said an excess of female tends to cause panic. That yeah. is very quotable, and bringing up the whole too muchness. Yeah, yeah, Tony. Do you want to have? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I'm a. a a woman who sort of understands too muchness because I am often too much even for myself. <laughs> so, um, I, I, and that's why I went for very saturated film. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm also talking about photography here. So I was um, thinking about how women are framed and, you know, we kind of, you know, and Susan said it in the book, we can't be too much, you know, because it's threatening. It, it, threat, it threatens mm-hmm. the world, you know. So, and it threatens other women. So too much colour, you know, too much lipstick, trashy women, you know. Mm -hmm. I like my little women a little on the trashy side, you know, that song. So (laughs) it's that kind of thing. We're supposed to be, you know, petite. And even when we eat, you know, we're not, it's the appetite, which I was kind of seeing, you know, linking back to sexual appetite. Mm -hmm. Women's sexual appetite is never allowed to be or, or, you know, as voracious as men's. 
Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, you uh, said how men laugh with each other about women and sex, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a um a denial of that as well for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I brought up the lusciousness and the ferocity. It's like, oh yeah. no, keep it in bounds. And it's like, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a lot of fun to be had and and we want to be part of all of that. Yeah. I, I, um, it was really interesting. I, I recently was talking to Carney Arelli about Mama Gaze, a book that just came out in oh, yeah. London last week. And, um, literally she uses the term too muchness and she was looking at it in terms of, um, we feel too much. We, we, you know, all the layers that we get this qualifier and we're supposed to quantify it. And I love one of the things that she said, what if too muchness is actually just what we need, that that's what we need to feel what it's like to be in another person's skin. I just thought that was really, really beautiful. Um, and you also, what I wanted to underscore is I did notice the book ending and I, I assumed it was your daughter, Georgia, but the idea of this, we are, we are in the frame and we are trying to break out of the frame and we're trying to change the frame. It's so many things at the same time, which actually came up in my discussion with Carney as well, that we are being fed all of the same messaging and how do you interrupt that cycle? I think, yeah, I think that's what I was trying to interrupt. Um, this idea, like, as I said, when the husbands and boyfriends were looking and they were like, oh, wow, these are not sexy pictures mm. that, that are sensual. And I, I, cause I think they're really sexy cause mm. they are too much and they do interrupt. And that's, you know, I wanted to, make a stop um between and and allow myself the freedom to um interrupt this kind of looking at other women in a certain way that we had been prescribed like so the magazines that I was seeing at the the supermarket of women looking certain ways and I just didn't and I would say interestingly I said to Kay because I shot Kay twice in the first series Mm -hmm. and in the second one and I said to her, you know, in a second one, you know these aren't flattering images, Kate. And she said, Tony, I was in your first series. I know exactly what you're doing and I love it. You know, so that was perfect for me. And she, because she wants, she wanted to interrupt mm-hmm. that same way of being looked at or thinking that we should look like, um, which is, you know, not too much and not, and not, um, not getting, you know, not, having you know saying the jokes on you you know I wanted that like the joke wasn't on us Mm -mm, mm -mm. it's like you know we're together in this you know yeah it was and the generosity of the women really blew my blew me away you know Mm -hmm. well yeah they got it and they love they love it you're giving them an outlet to actually do that interrupting and also make it real you know, yeah. it's so fascinating. I mean, to reference I Mama again and that mama gaze, the the focus of that was photographers 
and that are mothers and making the gaze of motherhood be the real deal, not this sanitized, like, you know, the men going in and going, wait, it's not airbrushed or, you know, it's not like meeting my needs of what I think is sexual, where you're actually, it was a sisterhood, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're walking I didn't want them to be soft pictures. You know, I didn't want the lighting to be soft. I wanted it to be, you know, harsh and, you know, in, interrogatory and, you know, interrupting and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, they're not, they're not soft that, you know, they're sharp and they, they're kind of, they're glorious. You know, the color is um, in, you know, I was thinking when I shot, I was trying like Amelia with um, the chicken. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. I, I wanted to make her look like John Wayne. You know, like the hero figure mm -hmm. from a Western film in some way, you know, that kind of looking at it that way. And I think she's the way, you know, she's got the swag, which. Yes. Well, Tony, why, did you, why did you stop? Why is, was there a gap in between the two series? Sorry, Sib. No, no, I actually, no, that's actually a question. So you got it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I just, I kind of. Kind of, when I had like I got quite a few shows um, in in the eastern states in Sydney and Melbourne with that work, and I put it in my storage because they were all shot on transparencies, and I stopped. I think why did I stop? I think I just the kids would. I started looking at the kids and I started a PhD looking at them, and I also I kind of stopped loving the work. You know, I I kind of. I, I I kind of looked at it and I I just I don't know I, I stopped loving it and then when I pulled it I pulled an image out of the storage and I think I put it on Instagram and, and um, someone said these are fantastic and I I thought well this would be really nice to revisit and see what's going to come out different twenty years later that's that's what I was thinking because all of those issues were still plaguing me yeah you know, they're still plaguing me. They still plague all of us, you know, like I'm feel, not feeling great. I've been eating too much and, I, you know, still that stuff, you know, no matter how much I say, don't, don't worry about it, you know, and I, if my jeans start feeling too tight or whatever, you know, we all know that feeling. So, and also I was interested in whether, because uh, I shot, shot the new series, not on transparency film, but I did, I had a Pentax uh, medium format camera and I put the, um, I did amp up the colour to sort of try and make it look similar. But I was surprised at how, you know, they don't look that different. Oh, my gosh. So jumping to that, and I'll, I'll, um, I'll come back to it. Um, the one thing I want to say before we leave and go to the, the similarities um, is this idea when you were talking about uh, really the permission you gave women to, to, to share the real deal. Um, I appreciate what Susan, what you said about that in terms of how young our relationship with food and with messaging starts. And the quote I pulled that you wrote was the inaccessible versions of women acting as backdrops to their lives right from the start. I mean, if I could, you know, I live in America where they do gender reveals before the person is actually out, which let's not even open up talking about gender, but it is just this crazy, um, uh, repetitive 
messaging. Um, but I pulled out these two because I was going to ask about the gap and ask about how they wove together so well. So the two that I'm, I'm looking at, you're going to remember or know the names of these people potentially better Maria. than I. They're both Marie's. They're both Marie's, but one is 2003 Marie and one is 2022 Marie. And I was astounded at how much those spoke to each other. Yeah. Uh, are you asking Susan? Is that or me? Well, both of you. Just, I mean, I, you brought it up um, to ask the question about why okay. stop. Okay. Thank yeah. you. All right. um, and then how you made them speak to each other. Yeah, I think, well, Susan was really great in helping because I've never done a book uh, like this. So getting the sequencing was, <laughs> was like really important. And, and I was so grateful for, for Susan's experience and, you know, wonderful eye. But that particular, those two, I think the colours and, you know, they were, they're incredibly rich and the paintings behind, they sort of visually work together. For me, that's how they work together. I think they just looked good together. Um, I think that, you know, um, for me it was visual. I mean, and obviously the painting behind um, the, the capsicum image. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they have the same kind of quality to them. They you know, do. When I talk about um, my design background is in fashion and, and I talk about well, with fabric, et cetera, you have the same weight. And I feel that's the same with photographs. There's a, you know, when yep. I'm doing sequencing, they weigh the same. And these do, which I think is so fascinating because yeah, they're really nice way of putting it that they weigh the yeah. same. Yeah, it's a really, really, really good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and yet the all the elements are so, so different and so unique. And I just can't think both of you, uh, both Tony for finding and Susan for um, explaining that, like the deep references, they just jump. And I, I can't tell you how many, it would be a really fun time lapse of how many times I went back and forth in this book. Like, that's so great to hear. Yeah, it's really. Over and over, because because the first reading and then the second and then the third. I mean, I laughed at every one, but I also got pissed at them as well. And then and then I just kept learning more. You know, like it was the Georgia bookends. I think came the third time that I was like, wait, that's Georgia. I bet. And then I look at the dates and I go back and forth, and and then that's a genius sequencing, right? I mean, in terms of a flow, you need to have that kind of that kind of orchestration. Um, some it's of so the nice, Sibylla, to to hear that somebody looks at a book so carefully, because I don't think people do. I think they kind of flick to the back and then they work through. And yeah, I speak for myself here, but <laughs> it must Tony, it must be really nice to know that it's, someone has really looked at it. Uh, it's it's yeah, it's it. It's wonderful. I'm like, I'm almost like teary about it because, but it's because you're seeing what I, I'm seeing and often other, you know, maybe things that I don't see. And you, it's just great that you get it, you know, and you can appreciate it and yeah. that you're, you're, you're laughing and you're having these range of emotions with it. Oh. And speaking to you is wonderful. 
Absolutely. I mean, I have to laugh because um, <laughs> it's actually probably going to go on Instagram as a story because I took one of those photographs of your coffee. But I was reading a book in a co- this book in the coffee shop, and um, and the guy next to me had headphones on, and if he didn't, I would have read him a passage. I mean, I laughed out loud. I was like, <laughs> I knew he looked at me more than once. Like, what is going on with her and this hot pink book, right? And and just the subtlety of it. Like, I am all about the choices and the decision making, and in concept aware, I'm trying to pull that apart like an accordion. I love how you talked about that woman looking like she was playing the loaf of bread, like an accordion, like that. Like you just laugh out loud. Susan, that was hilarious. But there are so many um, subtleties. Like, I love the idea that you broke up the words, right? Don't don't know how that happened. Like the size of the font and then this pink on pink and then that beautiful impression of Georgia on the back. And like there's texture things to this. And like, honestly, you're kind of... um, staging it like a meal in the sense that there's all these aesthetic choices and all these textures. And, you know, isn't it something with our, our sense of taste, we have to hit those, all those different, the sour, the bitter, et cetera. Anami. And also, what, you know, it's really nice that you picked that up also because I, the texture of the paper inside was important, but I wanted Beautiful. the cover to feel like skin. Yeah, it does. You feel, you feel all yeah. of that. And um, then so that's wonderful to hear because that was really important to me. I wanted it to, I wanted it to bring in those senses that go with food, but also women's bodies. Yeah. It was body stuff. Yeah. 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 That, well, women's bodies and then all the, all the sexual, all the sensual, like the butter melting in your hand and, and grabbing it by the pound. Like that's just all of the, the the pieces of that this seems like that went in on a detail of a shot i was wondering about your right so your full bleeds were they from 2023 2003 and 2022 um some of a mix that one the meat one is uh uh was 2003 the pomegranates was 2022 okay okay so 2003. Yeah. So a mixed combo. But again, you blended that. I mean, I knew that the meat was the meat because I remember the image that, that she had the raw meat in her hand. But then I was going back thinking, is there another pomegranate image I missed that this is a detail of? Well, that but was Sue's genius because, you know, like Susan suggested the crops and, you know, I was, you know, blown away because I loved them. Yeah. And give the break between the portraits because it's like they're they're a bit heavy one on one on one on one. So it gives a nice break, mm-hmm. and it makes you do does exactly what you've just pointed out there. You know, it makes you go back and look again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like, of course, I love the close ups. Like the food then just gets so like slurpy in your face. It makes me think of um. Do you know Pixie Lau's work? Yeah, and that just wonderful image of her at a uh, table basically eating the papaya that is strategically placed on her <laughs> muse's body. Um, it totally made me go there. Another question about the the choices, um, 
are the words. I have to say, I love that it began with your essay. I think, Susan, you you opened the refrigerator door. Like that was, you know, that was great. And 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 even the small piece that you wrote at the beginning, um, Tony, is so beautiful. But the the part about it's it's in third person where it talks and it's so light on light pink where I, I love the saying, Wilkinson depicts her subjects as active protagonists, heroine as the heroine triumphantly exhibiting her culinary loot while leaving enough space for the viewer to imagine what might transpire beyond the frame. Where'd that come from? I don't think I wrote that, did I? No, that was the publisher's, uh, part of the publisher blurb that went out. Yeah, that's um, with the book, but it was so great that we used it then. It's so good. And I love the, like, I mean, it really gave me the bouncing off of the transpiring and me looking into transpiring as like making apparent, making known. And that's what you collectively did with all these women. It's transpire across those messages. And what I feel like you gave people in this interruption is uh, like, new John Wayne's new swagger. It's like making new iconography of our own, which I think is, is super powerful when you spoke. Um, so I'm always going off on where these things lead me to. And (laughs) excuse me, sometimes it's stuff that I already know or have, or have thought about. I have a really old book. I don't know if you know this book called appetite. No. no. So it's Appetites. It's by Caroline Knapp. Um, and what's really interesting, this uh, was written, I think it's one of her, uh, there's three books that I think she wrote. She she unfortunately died quite young at 42. Um, but her first book was about alcoholism and, and her love story with drinking. This is more trying to understand, as she put it, what women want. But she speaks really amazingly about some of these issues. But the other place that I went or found um, was a book that is... Um, looking at patriarchy and calling it the male malady. It was written by David Gilmore. (laughs) Excuse me. And I thought it was really fascinating because this is what I'm trying to understand is how we shine a light on these influences when we are swimming in the water and it's going through our gills. Like how do we get out of it to then shine light on it? And in that research, this is crazy, but his work brought me back to what he talks about as potentially um, uh, one of the first feminist uh, treaties. Here it is. So there was a book by Christine DeFeason in 1405, and it was called The Book of the City of Ladies. And This author, Gilmore, says this could be the world's first feminist track. And she is commenting on a book that was written in 1275, basically haranguing women, the whole book that she was then noting on. So this is her quote. And I can't believe this. This is from 1405. You're talking about it still here from 2003 to 2023. 
go back. This is her quote. How has it happened, she demanded, that so many different men and learned men among them have been and are so inclined to express both in speaking and in their treaties and writings so many wicked insults about women and their behavior? And then Gilmore goes on to look at Western misogyny in comparing it to pre-literate cultures and talking about how sophisticated um, and deceptive patriarchy is. That the Greek myths, and you reference them, Susan, that speak to like the demonic nature of women or the 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 ferocious power and the fear, and then it puts women in their place by making horrible things happen when they use that knowledge, intelligence, power, etc. And how things moved from when we're in more literate, sophisticated spaces, it becomes not the myths, but actually it becomes, a, as he described, it said, it's less stress on notions about magical pollution or bodily fluids and rich witchcraft, and it relies instead on sci- scientific judgments about women's inferiority. We've yeah. been at it a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Take that all in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just, it's that kind of matrix that I feel oh, like man. that you, that you get and, and, and touch upon. Um, and I think that that turns into this, um, one of the things that Carolyn Knapp writes about in Appetite is she describes the repetitive nature of the of the messaging, and her quote is, battering qualities of the messages, easy to internalize and difficult not to. And she talked about all the lenses that she tried to understand herself, cultural, feminist, anthropological, spiritual, and metaphorical. And this is Carolyn Knapp, who says, I realized that my hunger was for larger things, for identity, for creativity, for power, for a meaningful place in society. The hunger most women feel, which drives them to eat more than they need, is fed by the evolution and expression of self. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to buy that book tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) We'll put it in our references. I mean, I hadn't picked it up. I probably got that book literally before like maybe 2003 right but that is really really amazing i think what she's talking about there is that we limit ourselves as well by becoming like this internal argument it's really hard to turn that off not to worry about and you know even doing this with screens and seeing if I, i don't like sitting in a hairdresser's and i don't like sitting seeing my face on a screen because i'm still in the back of my head critiquing myself yeah. So, yeah. And, and so that limiting and this, you know, you know, trying to fit or even when we're strong women, like I consider myself to be quite a, a robust woman mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm still, I, I do it. And that's what she's talking about. And I, I often wonder, worry, or I think about how much I'm limit, limiting my potential yes. by being concerned with these things. And that's what I, I was kind of picking up that she was saying there. And that's what I think is what happens. I'm aware of that in myself. Or it saps our confidence. That, and I, you know, I don't, I think maybe men are increasingly, young men are increasingly becoming more concerned with that. 
But I think, you know, particularly our age, that men have not had to worry about that the mm-hmm. way that we have, you know, and it's that constant, you know, is my hair okay? Is my makeup, you know, is my lipstick smudged over my face? Um, and, you know, because sometimes, especially when your eyes start to go as well, you know, <laughs> and it's that kind of stuff and it's limiting. And that's what I, I, I my, my daughter is less limited by it, which is very nice actually. But I mean, it still impacts her, but I think, you know, and that, and that could be just an individual, but I, I, yeah, women, it's still like that. And yeah. that's, that's the sad thing that we're limiting us, our potential. But it's so complex, isn't it? Because, you know, it's actually the least interesting thing about us is how we look. And yet, and yet we still, you know, have that inner turmoil. There's never any, it's so kind of meshed in there and complex and we still want to look great, you know, so. Well, that's the pumpkin image. That's why I did, I put, you know, the Cinderella reference with Mm -hmm. Sasha with the blonde hair and the pumpkin. It was, that's what I was thinking then, you know, like she's this beautiful little girl and coming back to fairy tales and what we will get read when we're little, if we're lucky to be read to by our parents. That's where it starts. We've got Snow White and Cinderella and the one in the tower, I've forgotten her name. Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Well, this is. (laughs) Yeah. What's so interesting because of where I went with your book and looking in other books and thinking about other things, I look at David Gilmore's work where he really captured the fear that misogyny is based on. And then if you think about that, the power, the sheer power of women is intimidating our ability to bring forth life in the way we do. And then these constructs constrict us and they also isolate us and they also take us away from our own relationship with ourself. We detach and we start having a relationship in those constructs. It's a very, very damaging, very difficult thing to pull apart and then to be in it. Like, honestly, it's like fighting with like, you know, a sword in one hand and the other one tied behind your back. It's so isolating. And that's what I think when I look at that book, the knowing those gazes in those women's eyes are priceless. They are priceless because they're that experience. They're basically like bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> you know like yeah let's call it what it is like yeah it's it's very very empowering and and lord knows you have to laugh because we'd go bonkers if we didn't find ways to put it on its ear um but i think that a lot of our isms are in place because power structures find ways to internalize them and then it's like my work is done now those girls are doing it to themselves, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's really, that's really challenging. I think that's the thing we do too. I think you touched on there that we we second guess ourselves. So we might, you know, we might say something and then we might think about because we because we are sent, we feel that's part of the too muchness. And then you kind of analyze it. Well, I know myself I do. Mm-hmm. When I've been strident or potent or, you know, stood up for myself 
I then second guessed myself, like, have I been too, have I been, you know, too outspoken or was that the right thing to do? And I think that's what happens to women. That kind of, that's what you said. We internalize it. We second guess ourselves, and we limit ourselves. Yeah. And if we're busy in that cycle of, of, attending think of the energy of that think of think of the time frankly right even of what goes in to either our domestic aspect of what gets put mostly in our lap and then this image and it's by the time you deal with food and image who the hell has time for anything else like yeah. how do you get to the other uh, you know creative endeavors etc yeah yeah, the creativity, you know, that's what I, and it was so wonderful both times having that to work work on because it's the, having this thing called photography is the thing, or image making, whatever you want to call it, is the thing that allows me not to, you know, to, um, you know, go insane or, you know, I've had this thing if, when relationships are going down the tubes or I'm fighting with my children and I'm upset about that, I can just pick this thing up. And, and use it as a way to sort of engage with those ideas, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it's great when you say to me that, you know, and, and to laugh as well, to, oh. to pull out of it, you know. It's so yeah. great to have it. Yeah. Tony, did, did any of the women go, actually, those are a bit, those are a bit much or not? <laughs> you know the one that who, the eggs is my mum? The fried eggs. Oh. Yeah, the, the fried, and then my mum's eggs, right, fried eggs, and my mum's English. So, well, I'm English, but my mum's English, so it's very eggs on toast, you know. It was lunch, breakfast, dinner many times. So, but she was like, I really don't like that photograph, Tony. Please don't use it. And I just thought, but that's it, it's so interesting that my mother's not in there, mm-hmm. you know. It is fairly well. She is in there, but um, there's there's a lot of them that aren't in there. But it is, I've thought about that a lot. So that one, and um, maybe you know, it's funny. No one said it to me. And okay. in 2003, a lot of the women hadn't seen the the images of themselves before I put them on the wall because they just said, no, fine, use them. If anyone had said to me, I want to see them before you use them, I would, yeah. So, but there was a lot of, when they were all up on the wall, there were, women were coming in and going, oh, 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 and then laughing their heads off, you know, and just, like my best friend's in there with her sisters and the Posada, and they love it. And Claire initially with the um, champagne. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, my gosh, I don't like my – and that's how she is. That's, like, that's her house and her outfit and everything. Mm. And then she, just, then she just said, I love it, I love it. You know, so it was mostly that, loving it. And yeah. I, I actually am flipping through to go to Claire because this is, this is that duo spread, right? Yeah. And the – the, Very close friends. <laughs> I mean, those so are cool, – are they? They're I, so yeah. cool. I went back to this page more than once and I, and again, laughed my butt off because it was just their expressions, um, the animal print, the glasses. Um, I, I had to laugh because both of them have the clocks, right? Which is different than, than those other references in the painting. And, um, I just, 
I mean, I get such a kick out of it. And like this little, the, the wooden statue kind of pushed in on the table. Like you just get in there and crack up at one after the other. And like, the like, it's so funny with the butterflies behind her head. I, I know this is going to sound crass, but it's like butterflies, my ass. Like, you know what I mean? There is just such attitude. Oh, it's, that's clear. Don't worry about that. Oh, it's so good. But so when you decided to, I, I have two questions as we try to wrap, because I know we have to at some point, but I could go on. Are, are, what did the women think they were? Well, I guess I'll, you told us how you walk in, you might go to their fridge, they dress for themselves. Like, I'm curious what came out as you said, okay, let's do it over here or whatever. Like, was there, did you pick up on did you get any slices of insight or get any of some of the things we're talking about from any of the women? Like, I don't know how deep it went or how specific. No, there was no, I think there was no real conversation with that because it was like a few people did. <laughs> Alana with the grapes is a politician. She's a labor politician here. <laughs> and I turned up with some sausages and I, she's a colleague my my colleague's mother and she it was great that she was going to be in it and he just said to her tony's coming to take a photograph of you and she i turned up with a packet of sausages and she said what are you doing and i said didn't jake tell you that i'm doing a series on women and food and she said no and i thought you were just going to photograph me um in the backyard like in her native garden and she said why sausages and I, I thought, and, and she was the agricultural minister, I think. <laughs> I think she was on alert, you know, of what I might be doing. And so she said, and this was the only person that really, that I said no. She said, I'll go and cut a bunch of grapes off of my own vine and I'll hold those for you. And I said, that's that would be great. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, otherwise... So, and it was like that. I don't think, I mean, obviously um, the second lot people were more aware of what was going on and, you know, might have been, uh, because Maria with the capsicum, you know, like, you know how mm. it's off the hot mm. end? Yeah, I, saw, I noticed that. It's because she'd use, it was in her fridge. So she'd, she'd eaten that part of it. And I, afterwards I was like, oh, maybe I should have just got a new one and because it would have looked like a heart. And then I went, no, it's perfect. Because I just pulled it out of the fridge. So that's what it was usually. Occasionally I'd take something. or And what was in Kay's pot is dog food. That's the, that's the pasta and veggie stuff that she'd made for the dog. And that was the only thing in her fridge. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. That, and, you know, that was it because she just wasn't, she couldn't be, her kids are not there anymore and she was just like, no, I'm only cooking for the dog. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I also think it's, there's nothing ever anything stranger than real life. You know, you can make up all these things that you like, but it's always real life, which is odder, isn't it? <laughs> and I think, that, and you get that immediately yeah. when you walk into someone's house, especially kind of bathrooms and bedrooms, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're like that. And that's what I love about this series is that the women are fantastic, but it's the houses as well. You know, you're just like everyone's house kind of looks the same on the outside and you open the doors. Yeah. And it's 
crazy. And uh, and you you it's a real insight into who they are. And well, I'm looking at Scarlet Banana because I've got it blown up huge in my office. I'm at work. Can you see that? Yes, yes. Okay. So, and, you know, what was, that was all there, that backdrop. So, you know, the cats, oh, cats are great, aren't they? I mean, really, the metaphor with cats, is, oh. you know. And the horses, I couldn't fit them right, but it didn't matter. And, you know, there were there's cats everywhere, ACDC because she's a musician, mm-hmm. and the you know, the boots which looked like they had lightning strikes in them. So yeah, you're right, Susan. You know, life and is the- it's suburbia. You know, it's everyone. It's it's yeah. just like they're the most ordinary and extraordinary women at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I love about it. It's like there's no tryhards in there. It's just like actually that's. That's what I wrote about the work. It's the ordinary and the extraordinary and the extraordinary and the ordinary. That was exactly when I was going. And that's why I wanted to use that flash too because it really, you know, flash just lights everything up and makes it so clear, everything, all the detail is just so. And it was, you're right, it was all the, it was the backdrop that that was. um, and, and, And the second series I was, I pulled back a lot, which was interesting. I wasn't so close in. I was more looking back at that because I realised from the first series that the details were really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really funny because you're talking too. It's like we bring our self-expression in our house. Like that is a place where we are um, somewhat less uh, bombarded with uh, the messaging, right? We can make our own stand. Like we can put in what we want. I was taken with. looking through the bookshelves and things like that when you when you were um just describing how you pulled back in the scenes there there i loved this one and this is this is the series this is later yeah. too right yeah and this is this is an another uh, woman another maria <laughs> it's one of my co- my technician here at uni that's him the little photograph on the side yes yeah and so yeah, and his his mum makes him rabbit because they're Italian, mm-hmm. and the Mona Lisa. And I, nothing staged there. I just it was just she even put the flowers out because she knew what I was coming to photograph her, and she was making a little scene. Just, just like you just can't make this up. It is such self-expression <laughs> and and layered again with right culture, etc. And how and some you of must have walked in and gone, oh, I've hit the jackpot here, yeah. I did. <laughs> I was uh, I just knew it was gonna be good because she was Italian and she she made the play, you know, I rabbit, you know, I'd said, can she get a rabbit? Because it's not, you know, a skinned rabbit. Yeah. But she put it on the plate with the basil around it because she was making it look Italian rabbit. That is wild. I have to say, you're flashing me back to my childhood. And um, I grew up in an Irish Catholic family with a million cousins. And when we had our holidays, it was creamed everything. Like, and we, of course, there were so many of us that we had to go down in a lineup. And you just went and it was creamed carrots, creamed this, creamed that. It was like, ew. Like the entire thing was like gray. And it's just so funny because this image brings me right back to the 
the one aunt that lived in New Jersey that had the type of furniture that had plastic on it so that you oh, saved yeah. the quality and like the lamps were just like Venetian and and that never changed through like 20 years of going to that house for that particular holiday. So I love how you do bring up culture and food and and how that's woven in. So I've got I've got one um last question um which is when you decided to go back to the series and you went to revisit it. How did you know okay, I need to refresh this and have them talk. Like what happened there? How'd that come together? Uh, or, sorry, what do you mean? I don't quite, I don't know. That you, you pulled out the, the transparencies and revisited that work oh. and then decided I'm going to refresh this or revisit or start a conversation with it now. And I just want to know what your thinking was in that. Yeah, and I, I, I thought about, I've never done a book and I, I thought, you know, someone had said to me, another photographer said to me, these would look great in a book. And I just thought, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just I wanted to see if it was going to be different mm-hmm. because I don't think things are any different, you know. Like, and I, I did say to Susan, I thought it was interesting that um, you couldn't really tell between the fashions. Like if you'd have gone from 1960 to 1980, it would have been, wow, it would have been totally different. Or, you know, 1940 to 1960, the hairstyles are kind of not that different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really minor kind of changes in, in the clothing. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. That came across to me. And, oh, you know, and so everything was pretty much the same. The same messages were there. The same feelings were there. Um, so, yeah, I, that's what I was looking at, I think, and, um, and, and thinking about the book and thinking that, it and, and and Georgia again as book ending that was the very first picture and mother daughter relationship and that's how it started you know and you talked about iconography and I, I love religious icons I've got lots of them in my house um, not particularly re- religious I just love the images mm-hmm. and so that first picture of her is quite different to the rest because it was the very first picture I took. And I think I was like, I wasn't sure if it was going to fit, you know, and, but it did need to be in there because it it is a little soft. It's a beautiful picture. It's a gorgeous picture. And I think, um, it's just, there, um, there is a softness, but still there is, um, you spoke about it, Susan, when you were talking about ambivalence in your essay and how, that Tony's sentiments come through with strength. And so even with a softness here, there is a strength. Um, and just what's, what's again, the use of the color, like all the colors in there and the, and the flowers and what's behind and then the teddy bear and then her expression. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing because it's so knowing yeah it's like it's already cynical <laughs> totally totally <laughs> just like to get on with it <laughs> a total old soul look in yeah but young Georgia girl's eyes no so, but she's she's a wise old soul i'd say definitely and then and, and- <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, but that, and then I just love, I mean, there's, there's self-possession in both of them. And I love seeing the expanse. Was right. she involved in the last in terms of, did, in oh, terms look, of that? Look she gives me now. Yeah. You know, and, and that was the birthday cake that I bought her in 2022. It was 29. And I bought her a birthday cake and said, come over and just I'll do the last shot now. And it's the, uh, a, an artwork of the queen behind her, Queen Elizabeth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in, the, in that painting there is a small map of Australia in the earring of Queen Elizabeth. So it's, it's really subtle. So if you look at it, yeah. Okay, didn't okay. see the queen till right now. In fact, I thought about it. And I didn't look long enough or across enough because I saw it on the left, but it's not until you said it and I pull back and I see the face and the profile. And so that really located it in timing as well, this time now. It was the last picture, you know, the queen. Did she was, um, yeah. So it brings it into the, the time that we're in now, which... And, and a perfect ending, I thought. Yeah, totally. I agree. Agree. Even without the queen, which now just adds a whole other layer, it was still a perfect ending. And and I loved, I just loved the the look and the in chain her, around her neck And the chain around her neck. The detail of the chain around her neck was really bringing it back to that sort of, you know, tethering and just tiny little subtle things like that that I'm not sure if people see, but, you know, speaking to you, it's wonderful that you are seeing those things. That is fabulous. Wow. Well, I'll have you know, if you came to my house, you'd see the queen in my kitchen, and <laughs> it's actually a statue that came from my friend that's British because I walked into her kitchen. Uh, she lives in France now, but also comes back and forth walked in cracked up on her windowsill is the queen with a hand doing this because her purse is solarized it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious so it's every day the queen is waving to me when i'm doing the dishes it's just perfect yeah even when she's gone even when she's gone we talk to her yeah well, it was, this has been such a treat, and I am so happy to to connect with you across all these time zones and and thoughts. And you are too a per, you're a perfect match in this. That was I yeah. agree. I was so grateful to Susan for like getting it, and you know, just being so generous with her time. And uh, yeah, it took a long time. It did, it yeah, it did. But it, you know. It was fun time, you know. <laughs> it was fun time. <laughs> a long time is okay if you're enjoying it. A long time is not fun. You know, if you're not having fun with it, then it's awful. But, you know, it's a project I'm really, I'm just, I was really happy to be invited, you know, really delighted to be invited into it and just make, yeah, it made sense. I did, I, Sibylla, I did say I sent Susan an email <clears throat> asking her if she'd be interested in writing for me and I was too frightened to look at the response. So I didn't check my emails for two days. <laughs> and look what was waiting. Yeah, and I just wrote back going, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate it. And I wonder, I don't know, maybe you'll double up on another project down the road. We shall see. Yeah, let's see what Tony's got in the yeah. in the uh, uh, I'm thinking of turning my lens to men now. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> that wasn't very enthusiastic. No, I'm trying to think. Well, it's two things. One is that um, I, I, I met with an artist and spoke about her book and project, which is on going to men's bedrooms, uh, Britland Tracy. And it's fascinating, right? She did it on a dating app at, and, and, and would basically say like, yeah, I don't want to date you, but I am doing a project and I want to go in your bedroom for an hour. And then she photographed. It was fascinating. So why I stopped when you said men, I really like that. I want to see what comes out of that. But also I, my pause was, is it food? You know, like, I don't, like, I just wondered about interesting. Maybe bodies. I don't know. It's just a little flicker of thought. I don't know. I've got long, I'm taking a big break for the second half of the year from the university where I'm at. So I'm going to, you know, readjust and come back now be fun to have a slice into men and image. And the first thing that came to mind was hair, right? And this idea. Get them where it hurts. Oh, evil. You're evil. She's evil. Well, I I I tell you, it's only playing fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we shall see. And I hope that I get to work with the two of you again, too. This was great fun. Yeah, thank you for the invite. It's been really nice. Yeah, thank you. It's really great. I'm going to look forward to hearing it. And, um, yeah, it's so great to hear you say those things about the work. And, you you know, it's just wonderful for me to hear that. I'm so glad. Well, it's wonderful to have. I mean, I think it's all... That's why I included the photography being the tool with the women and the food, right? Because it's a whole other communication form and a transgressive one, a, a way, a power to go from individual to collective, right? And back. So yeah. I love, I love playing in there. Thank you for joining our conversation. We so appreciate when you rate and review our podcast. We love hearing your feedback, and I'd like to share a recent review. It's called An Invaluable Listen for Photographers. Every episode of this podcast is almost guaranteed to spark inspiration. The questions Sib prepares for her guests open up the conversation fully and candidly, allowing for photographers and artists alike to share their strategies and creative processes with listeners. If you're looking for some creative drive in the form of fun and intriguing conversations, look no further. Thank you so much, and we look forward to being together on our next episode.